Welcome into episode 51 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined once again by Travis Graff and David Sisk of Cats Illustrated. Uh, Travis, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing great, and glad to see your all's lovely faces again after being off the show last week. You know, it was a great episode with uh, Sean Smith from Go Big Blue Country, and I see David Sisk is back out side with the cicadas just hanging out with the birds <laughs> and the bees so <laughs> yeah we we uh poked fun at david last week because he was uh living in national geographic episode you know he's he's in, he's one with the wilderness one with nature uh we heard you know his cat meowing and we heard the, the birds chirping in the background last week so we don't know what kind of animal you know what kind of nature we're going to hear this week so we're, we're excited to have you and uh, all your nature expertise back david I've given the cat orders. We've got a sponsor now, so so we've got to look like professionals. So so, I told him to stay out of the picture. And speaking <laughs> of birds and bees, uh, Travis is not okay. He might tell you he's doing great. He's not. <laughs> yeah, he's we. The, the reason why you guys, if you're listening to it the night of Thursday, what what day is today? Wednesday. Today's yeah, Wednesday. I, you know, I'm missing, I'm missing. I'm missing professional wrestling right now while we're on here. Well, the, the, because you are one, you are one for the brand. You will, you will do anything for our brand. But yeah, it's uh, the reason why we started this show a little bit late is because Travis had a Travis had a little bit of you know animal issues at the house, and and we we finally got things in order. We're all good to go. We're going to, you know, we have an awesome show plan. And as David hinted, yes, we have our very first sponsor and it's a big one. So we'll celebrate that. Tell you all you need to know about them here in just a bit. Uh, but outside of that, we'll have a, an awesome show plan for you guys. Plenty to talk about uh, specifically in the world of UK athletics. We'll be talking about the latest with the Kentucky basketball summer workouts. Uh, the New York Knicks potentially having interest in UK assistant coach Kenny Payne. Uh, Adam Kunkel's commitment to Xavier bunch of other topics we have we'll have a lot of fun today we are looking forward to it uh first up let's dive into the summer workouts with the uk basketball team now the team arrived on the weekend of june 26th they kind of it was kind of a slow process um some you know about three quarters of the team showed up on the first day then the rest minus one showed up in the days after uh we had a little bit of a wait period for isaiah jackson uh, I think it was two weeks after he was supposed to arrive on the week on the weekend of July 4th. But all players are now on campus. Things are going well. Um, you know, I, I talked to some people within the program. The first practices were awesome. Uh, they said, man, these these kids are fired up. You could really tell that they just kind of have that edge to them. Uh, they are really, really excited to get get rolling. You know, this they they have high expectations for this team. They, you know, Coach Cal has, has gone on 35 different media platforms and talked about how excited he is for this team and why they, you know, why they need to be out there. But one of the biggest topics of of conversation every single summer is just how these kids are looking in their initial, you know, initial workouts. There are usually a couple kids that stand out, and by the end of the year, they have kind of separated themselves as as the go to guys. Tyrese Max, who has won last year. Uh, Nick Richards and staff, you know, thought highly of him going into the year last year, and you could kind of see that growth. What are you guys hoping for out of these summer workouts and and hearing, you know, these rumblings behind the scenes? Who, you know, what kind of topics and narratives are you guys looking at specifically 
Well, you've got battles, and I think we all expect B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark to come out of the gate. Uh, but then you, you look at the point guard spot, and obviously you look at the post, particularly the four. So, you know, we're talking about uh, Davion Mintz, even though he is a, a grad transfer. But you look at Mintz, and you look at Devin Askew at the point guard spot, and then we're talking about, you know, the freshman in the post, the Isaiah Jacksons, the Lance Wares, the Cameron Fletchers. And I think you, you, you used the word maybe differentiate or who steps out. And I think that's the thing that we're looking at in those, or at least I am in those battles, you know, who is the one that separates themselves from the pack? Travis, who do you think is an individual player that – you think needs to have a big summer leading into this, you know, that if they don't have a big summer, it'll kind of indicate that, man, this kid might not be a, a kind of a big difference maker throughout the season. Uh, I'm going to go with Davion Mintz here just because we already know what B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark could do on the wings. We've talked about it before. We've thrown around the idea on here of the speculation that one of those guys could play a de facto point guard on this year's team. But I think that that might lower the ceiling of the of this roster. And for this team to reach their ceiling, I feel like either Devin Askew or Davion Mintz is going to have to take over at the point guard spot. And I, right now I'm going to give Davion the advantage over uh, Devin in that department just because he's a, he's a senior. He's been he's played in a big-time basketball conference. He knows how to practice. That's something Cal Perry talks about. He knows how to get better. And he's never played – he's never been surrounded with the talent that he has at Kentucky. So, I want to see if he can – I mean, at worst, I'm expecting him to be a game manager this upcoming season. But if he can be from – go from a game manager to, like, hey, this guy can help win us some games. Like, um, kind of like Terry Wilson was in football a couple years ago. He's the game manager. And then last year you yeah. saw him take off, and he was going to help that team win some games. Uh, granted, he, he won the Florida game a couple years ago. But that that's in comparison, like – can he take the reins? Can he will this team to win instead of, like, um, always deferring to the alphas on the wing and star down low? Can uh, – I think, I think for me that's going to determine how good this team could be. And I've talked to – I haven't talked about specific players to people close to the program yet. I haven't reached out to them in that regard. But I've talked to a couple of people, and one person told me, part of my language, uh, uh, earmuffs for the, for the listeners under 18 – that uh, this team is, uh, or quote, this team is the shit, end quote. So this guy is always honest with me. He's been, um, like, last couple of years, whenever uh, PJ was um, on the team in 2018, uh, or I guess that was 2019. Uh, 2019, they, um, they were like, yeah, this team could be pretty good. And then last year they are like, eh, like, we don't know yet. We'll we'll see. But they're like Shab said, this team can be the ish. So yeah, I think the expectations are high around the fan base and within the program. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. A good point that the point guard spot is arguably the most uh, kind of assuming Olivier Sar is eligible. That that is the kind of point that everybody is like, man, we got on the wings. You, you know, you're good to go with Terrence Clark and, and BJ Boston. You know what you're getting with those two. With Olivier Saar, you know exactly what you're getting there. But at that point guard spot, you have to have one of those guys stand out. And I think the the staff feels really, really confident about Devin Askew in March. They think, that, you know, from January, that second semester, January on, they think Devin Askew is going to be the guy to take the program over and lead him into March. 
but they want to make sure that the season gets started off on the right foot. It, you know, are you willing to throw Devin into the Sharks right away and kind of let Davion Mintz go? You know, he, you know, to put it bluntly, he was more comfortable off ball and kind of, you know, as a, as a catch and shoot guy and creating his, his own shot, you know, outside of the point guard position last year at Creighton, as opposed to, you know, running pure point guard. So it would almost make more sense and it would be better off for the team if Devin could could take over from day one and allow Davion to kind of play his natural off ball, you know, play spot minutes at, at the point guard if he needs to. Um, I think that is that's what would be best for the team. But I think that the plan is right now for Davion to take the reins over immediately while Devin finds his his footing. And then from there, we'll see how it goes. Um, but in, in terms of just some of the other general rumblings, Kyle Tucker kind of stole a lot of the thunder with he put out a, a recent uh, article where he had a bunch of quotes from Kenny Payne, where Kenny Payne flat out said uh, that that BJ Boston was a guy that it might be different from anybody else we've seen in Kentucky basketball under Calipari, like ever, like he is going to be in that upper tier. And we've talked about BJ on, on this show plenty. Um, you know, he's, he's a, a top five kid in the nation for a reason. So for, for him to kind of say he's on a different tier from everybody else we've seen, that in itself is one heck of a quote. And that's pretty much all you need to know about, about him. If Kenny Payne, who is, you know, we'll talk about him and, and his significance of the program here in a little bit. But if he is hyping this kid up from day one saying this is on a, this kid's special, he's on a different tier, unlike anything we've had before, that tells you all you need to know about how excited the program is about them. You know, I, I talked to guys when he, when he was working out out in, in, in L.A. leading up to his workouts that he was – working out a bunch at the four and trying to, you know, build his body up to potentially be a small ball four if he needs to. He already, you know, his ball handling is already there. He could be a one if if need be. The, the opportunities for him to just be on the floor and do everything and be the most versatile player out there, it's already there. I mean, that is that is what the staff kind of sees BJ as. So you don't even have to talk about him. Terrence Clark is another guy that they're raving about. True set, six foot seven. His size, NBA ready from day one. I mean, he's kind of that barrel-chested, just strong NBA ready body right now. Uh, we've talked about him in depth. They they feel pretty you know confident about him about him being a true star. Olivier Saar, obviously you know looks awesome. He's a third team All ACC guy. Um, Lance Ware. We've had Devin Askew on the show before, who hyped him up, said that's the guy to watch out for. I've heard that he, you know, his, his athleticism is a little underrated. People don't realize how athletic he is. Smooth, skilled, he can bring the ball up the floor um, in, you know, spot situations, just kind of a grab a rebound and go type guy. The, the staff is, is feeling really confident about Lance Ware. And then Cameron Fletcher, I was actually told that he is kind of the, the placeholder backup behind Keon Brooks at the small ball four going into the year. He's not going to be played primarily on the wing. It's going to be Cameron Fletcher as that small ball four. So, I mean, I mean, when you go down the list, the guys that I kind of circled as need to separate themselves are Cameron Fletcher, Lance Ware, Isaiah Jackson, uh, and Dante Allen. Those are the four guys that there, there needs to be somebody emerging from that group. And if, if you get one or two of those guys, you know, I'm hoping for Dante Allen to take a next step up if, if he's healthy again. Uh, you know, Lance Ware, Cameron Fletcher, anybody, whoever it is, the staff needs one or two of those guys kind of at the bottom of the rotation to separate themselves. And then from there, I mean, the sky's the limit with this team if Olivier Saar is eligible. And, and while we're at it, let's just bring up the fact that we've had, what, four NCAA transfer decisions. Uh, the, the NCAA has approved four different waivers over the last three days, um, you know, ranging from the bottom of the barrel programs, you know, I think North Dakota to 
Uh, man, I can't even think of the schools off the top of my head, but uh, there, and then there's also a Georgia to Georgia Tech transfer today. So, they, I mean, the, the NCAA is moving very, very quickly on these waiver decisions. So, guys, on, on your all's end of things, do you, do you get a sense that it's almost an expectation at this point that Olivier Sar is going to be declared eligible, rather, you know, almost a when, not if situation, Travis? Uh, there's definitely some optimism. It's still cautious optimism, but I mean, the way that trends are going in both basketball and football waivers this offseason, it seems hard to believe that anybody would be denied a waiver at this point. Uh, but I mean, knowing Kentucky's luck and the way Kentucky fans feel about their luck, I feel like uh, I wouldn't be 100% surprised if he was the denied eligibility. David, what kind of of difference between good and great does Olivier Saar give you? And why is why is his decision one of the most impactful of of this college basketball offseason? Well I think if you go back to Jeff Goodman, who who you had on a couple weeks ago, you know, without Olivier Saar, he's got Kentucky ranked between 20 and 25th. And with – here's the cat. And with <laughs> Olivier Saar, you know, most people think they're top five. And I think that's uh, kind of across-the-board feeling because he's just going to give them the true five. And, and let's face it, he's one of the best centers in the country that's returning and coming back. So, uh, if you add a guy like that to your roster – that's huge. And if you don't have him, then it's not. I mean, you know, that's a huge blow. And you're depending on freshmen uh, who really may be a little bit undersized at the five at this time and definitely uh, underexperienced. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, uh, Travis talked about all the other pieces that they have. You look at how good the team is on a wing. You look at Keon Brooks who can slide in and play that four. So two through four, there's a few questions at the point. There's no questions at the five if you've got Olivier Saar. So now all of a sudden you've got a couple of question marks without him. And and the only thing that really saves you if you have Olivier Saar from having a super team is how the point guard spot matches up. So, you know, obviously they need to have him. Yeah, I think it boils down to the confidence. I don't think it has necessarily anything to do with the NCAA telling Kentucky that, hey, we're, you know, you're up next and we think we're going to pass you. Like, I don't think the internal confidence on Kentucky's end of things has anything to do with, with that. I think it, it, it mostly has to do with the fact that they are watching the college basketball landscape. They're seeing – okay, if this kid's getting eligible here, if, you know, we're helping Johnny Juzang get eligible over at UCLA, you know, this Georgia kid is transferring out to go to Georgia Tech. Why in the world with us trying to help as many as people as we can, we've helped with Jamal Baker, we've helped with Johnny Juzang, we've helped with every other, you know, Quade Green. They've helped with everybody out there trying to get other people their waiver for this day to say, hey, we've done our part in the past you know, throw us a bone here. We need, we need Olivier Saar on this roster. He is the difference between, you know, sweet 16 round of 32 Kentucky and championship final four level Kentucky. So oh. I, th- I think when it boils down to it, I mean, it, there, there's just at this point, there's no reason looking at the rest of the college basketball landscape who has gotten their waivers. The fact that they haven't 
taken anybody out of it. I mean, there's there's just no reason at this point that Olivier Sar shouldn't be declared eligible. I'll say this, that people I've talked to close to the program have been optimistic since they took Sar in. Uh, that's never wavered. They still have the same amount of optimism. What I was saying about um, – looking at the college basketball, college football landscape, that wasn't adding anything to it. That was just me leading, reading tea leaves to add yeah. to that, that people on UK side have been extremely confident from the jump on this. So, yeah. But, but let me ask you this. Do you get any more nervous? You know, we're, we're, we're getting ready to go into August, and we know that there's a window. Uh, it's not only that he gets declared eligible, but you don't want him declared eligible in December because he's probably not going to be around. Uh, you know, it's it's not only is it, it got to be done, it's got to be done within a certain time frame, or he'll probably go look at the international route. Uh, there's no reason to hang around red shirt when you can go make money somewhere. So that may be a thing that, that makes me as nervous as anything, as, you know, is the NCAA going to sit on our hands? Well, my thing is every week you get, like, different people saying, oh, I feel like it's going to be this week. I think it's going to be in a couple weeks. I think it's going to be – Monday or Tuesday, we're going to hear something like, eventually it's, it's going to be right. And somebody's, I mean, I feel like the time frame is kind of set up for the near future, uh, looking at everything else. That depends on if, uh, did UK ever really come out and say 100% when they filed for it? They didn't, but Cal, I think the last quote that he had was, oh, it's been in, like it's been in there for a while. Um, and, and I know Dickie V came out and said, I think it was early June, mid-June, something like that. He said, oh, I just got off the phone with Cal. He said that all the paperwork is in and, and, he, and they're just waiting for the NCAA. And people thought that meant that day. But I think it was in the weeks following his, his commitment to Kentucky, you know, the, when he officially signed with the program in early May, that, that, that it was the weeks following that, that, when, that that's when the – the waiver was submitted. They were they were quick about it because they knew that it would be a you know a long term thing. Cal said, when you have a high profile kid coming from you know arguably number one transfer on the market coming from Wake Forest going to the gold standard of college basketball, Kentucky, the NCAA is bound to red flag you at some point. So um, you know on on his end of things, he hasn't been exact you know a, you know specific on when that happened, but it's been, definitely been in the works for quite some time and we're now approaching um, the same, the same timeline that these other kids are getting their waivers. It's been like three to four months. That's exactly what we're reaching with, with Olivier Saar in Kentucky. So I think that's where that internal confidence is coming from in terms of time wise, like, Hey, we think it's going to happen soon based on what these other schools are doing, what the other, the NCAA is doing with these other, you know, high, high and low profile guys. Um, it seems like they're kind of sticking with the same timeline of that three to four months, and we're hitting that right now with Olivier Saar. So we'll see. I, I, I think that the, the staff is confident because they have they put together an awesome case. Olivier has a, a heck of a case. Um, I don't know if I'm worried about the pro route, David, like what you were talking about yet, um, just because I think he's already moved in. He's already working out with this, you know, high-profile coaching staff, the, you know, best of the best you could get. I mean, it's practically like working out and preparing for the pros anyway. So unless he just has hot pants to just get out and, and move out immediately and explore the pro ranks right now, I don't know what good it would do for him to explore those, those ranks right this second uh, until he gets that actual yes or no answer from the NCAA. So long-winded, but – as of right now, I think things are still looking good and, and 
we'll see. I mean, I, we're just kind of at that. We're ready for a decision, and and I think the staff's ready to to you know decide whether or not what they need to do moving forward from here. So we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Um, we'll move forward on to the other. We kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, Kenny Payne kind of, you know, that kind of popped out of nowhere. The New York Knicks, they're finalizing a deal with with former Chicago Bulls and Minnesota Timberwolves head coach Tom Thibodeau. It's going to be a five-year deal with them. KSR reported on Sunday evening that there were initial reports in, in the last couple weeks that, that if the Knicks hired Jason Kidd, that he would ultimately look at Kenny Payne uh, along with, you know, Rod Strickland, some other names like that. But that kind of brushed over when they signed Tom Thibodeau. In the time since then, KSR reported that the Knicks are internally discussing Kenny Payne as an option for one of their assistant coaching positions. No contact has been made yet. Uh, it's still very early in the process, but it's still a name that they are considering behind the scenes. Travis, you put out a, a report here just this week, kind of as a follow-up, talking to people that know Kenny Payne and his situation. So what what do you know about it? And uh, you know what, what do you think he ultimately decides to do? Yeah, I talked to someone that would know the situation as good as anyone in this uh, in this ordeal. And the Knicks have have not reached out to Kenny Payne and have not reached out to the University of Kentucky up until uh, this was a couple of days ago. I put this out uh, asking for permission to talk to Kenny. So as of right now, it seems like UK's top assistant is staying put, and uh, the Knicks rumors have kind of just stayed that exactly what they are rumors so david what kind of you know people know the surface level of what kenny payne means to the program what kind of recruiter he is what kind of developer he is of talent but behind the scenes and below the surface what kind of difference maker is is kenny payne and how big of a loss would it be for the kentucky program if they have to explore their other options if the new york knicks decide to take the next step and tom thibodeau kind of circles kenny payne as his guy and uh, decides to take the next step reach out to him and, and see if they can initiate some type of interview or or uh you know initiate some type of contact well obviously he's been huge to the program um i mean that's an understatement uh i think he kind of, of gives a, a calming aspect to the team uh, I think he's very good with the players. Wants to get there, you can tell he's got the respect. He, he, uh, from his playing days, you know, and as long as he's been a coach, he speaks from experience. He demands respect, uh, and I, I think if he's one of those guys, and I think every program has it, every uh, really elite program, there's that assistant coach that you almost think is the second head coach. Yeah. You know, Bill Guthridge was that way with Dean Smith. And, and you know, I, I just look at, at, at Coach Payne and you're like, you know, there's the guy just really behind the scene. I mean, you take a look. Calipari got uh, – I'm trying to go back and remember. It seems like a million years ago. But he tosses – gets tossed at Texas Tech. And I think they're down eight or nine. They come back and win. Kenny Payne, you know, kind of run the show there. And then I think didn't the same thing happen at Florida? Didn't he get tossed at mm -hmm. Gainesville the last game of the year? And he just – you kind of watch him, and he just has that soothing effect. And I know when he recruits uh, and you talk to individuals, when Kenny Payne comes calling, there's just kind of a reverence among high school coaches, and parents and players and, and – it's just a different aura about the, about recruiting when when 
you know, Kenny Payne's involved. So, you know, he's a special name, obviously, among college assistants. Yeah, tra- I think Travis – And he's a fantastic recruiter, but I think his main – I think what the, the best thing he brings to the table is his ability to develop post players, and he's done it consistently since he's been uh, – since he got to Kentucky. Uh, when Nick Richards got here, he literally could not – finish at the rim, cannot do whatever. And then sophomore year, you see a right hand over left uh, left shoulder jump hook. That's that's a Kenny Payne staple. Um, just simple moves like that, but he develops a go-to move for every single big that stays within the program. Um, I mean, he, you talk to people uh, like, like you mentioned Kyle Tucker earlier, like Kyle Tucker's um, interviews after the seasons, uh, after uh, kids leave for the draft or after they graduate, talking with their parents or talking with them, everyone credits Kenny Payne for development. And I think it, like, it cannot be overstated how, how important he is to the Kentucky program. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Travis, we've talked behind the scenes about, you know, who the, the you know, most up-and-coming names in recruiting are and how there's some, some guys that behind the scenes we've talked, okay, if X coach leaves for this head coaching job or, you know, Kenny Payne takes, you know, you know, goes to the pro route, whatever the situation might be. We've kind of talked behind the scenes of some names that we would secretly kind of hope that UK would go after, or, you know, that, that they would need to steal away from other programs. Who, who would be your first call if you were coach Cal and, you know, Kenny Payne calls him and says, Hey man, you know, what Worldwide West called me and said, you know, Leon Rose, they both called me and said, we got to, we got to hook you up in New York. I got to take my offer. Who is Coach Cal's first call uh, if, if you were in his shoes? Um, I mean, granted, there'd be some big names. I would try after somebody like Tracy McGrady, somebody like that, just to throw a fill out there, somebody of that caliber. But if you're talking about realistic coaching candidates, I would throw the kitchen sink at Kim English from Tennessee. He is absolutely dominant on the recruiting trail right now. He's the one that's gotten them in position to most likely land Kennedy Chandler um, in good position with Brandon Huntley Hatfield in good position with Paulo Mancaro. And it's just like he, like I've talked about here, he relates to kids so well. And he's just, he's just so cool. Like apparently his persona is just, and like he makes you feel like he's either a big brother or a father figure or your best friend. And like, it seems like he's never met a stranger and relationships are, um, as we've seen over the last few years, when Kentucky can't come in and swoop up a kid last minute nine times out of ten anymore. Not like they used to. They still can, but not like they used to. And having someone like that that can build relationships early on, like strong, strong relationships, is immeasurable. Yeah. Uh, David, is there anybody that would pop out in your head? I know, you know, you, you've, you're fond of Kim English. Think he's, you know, the next up-and-coming recruiting name in, in the game right now. Um, is there anybody else that kind of pops out at you that you would make if, if you had the opportunity to make that first call? ESPN did a uh, story, ESPN.com, of the top 40 coaches under 40 uh, back in May. And uh, Darius Nichols, he's at University of Florida right now. He came in at number 18 overall, but he was the uh, sixth highest ranked assistant coach He's at Florida now. He played at Northern Kentucky. Uh, he's got some ties uh, to the state. Uh, he's not the – I don't think he's like the associate head coach at Kentucky. I, I'm at Florida. I think he's like second in the wings there. 
and he was the lead recruiter for Scotty Lewis. Uh, so, you know, there's several names there, but uh, some that I've kind of noticed are pretty well tied in to the program. I think Kim English, honestly, but I wouldn't be surprised if Tennessee is just not kind of behind the scenes kind of doing a coaching waiting deal with him. He's 31 yeah. years old, 32 years old. Well, no, 31, I'm sorry. Uh, and, you know, Rick Barnes is upper 60s. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're not saying, hey, stay here a couple more years and, you know, you can step right into that spot. But uh, I guess Darius Nichols would kind of be a name that I would look at. Yeah, that's that's – you know, spot on. I, I like all of those options. You know, Travis, I think you bring up a great point that the the movement right now is for the Kim Englishes of the world, the Mike Millers of the world. I remember uh, at the McDonald's game two years ago, I remember that was when Matthew Hurt was um, what was he was there and he was still trying to decide on a school. And I remember I was talking to him about, um, you know, who, you know, what are the chances Kentucky it's Kentucky. What about these other schools on your list? And uh, people kind of assumed that it was going to be Duke, but you know, people still had to, you know, ask questions about Minnesota, ask about Kentucky, ask about, you know, Memphis, those, those types of schools. I remember I got to Memphis and he didn't even bring up Penny Hardaway. The first name he brought up was Mike Miller. He was like, man, Mike Miller is a guy that just makes you feel like a brother uh, you know, a friend, like you're like, he's a father figure to you. He's a guy that, that you just look at and you're like, man, that's, that's a guy that I want to, I want to play for before even, even talk about Penny Hardaway. And, and that's, that kind of, you know, struck a chord with me. That made me think like, man, if Kentucky, you know, if Joel Justice takes an assistant, a, a head coaching job next year, you know, he was rumored to be, you know, a, in the running for a couple coaching positions this offseason. Uh, if Tony Barbie becomes a head coach again, whatever the case is next offseason, it appears things are going to, you know, stand, stand pat right now. But if things change over the next year, that's going to be the type of guy that you go after, a Mike Miller of the world or a Kim English or, you know, th- those those young up-and-coming names, what you could relate, you know, a, a Jalen Rose or a, like like Travis, like you said, a Trace McGrady, somebody that you know is going to relate to these young kids as a cool, you know, to, to make Kentucky cool. That's that's going to be – or continue to make Kentucky cool. That's going to be where Kentucky needs to go uh, if that day comes. Hopefully it doesn't. I like what Kentucky is doing right now with, with their assistant coaching staff. Um, but, you know, thing, things change. Things can, can move, you know, and, you know in days or months. Like, it's not like, too, Kentucky doesn't have a lot of names that's come out of the uh, ex-players there, even in the Calipari era, that have not um, played there that, that, I mean, you know, are coming out of the NBA or looking at retirement. I mean, there's obviously a lot of names. And, and you know, you, you just think about – uh, some of the players that John Calipari or coaches rather that he's had in the past, and, you know, we brought up Rod Strickland, but uh, you know, he had, um, you know, he's had some others that have played for him. Tony Barbie played for him. And, you know, so he's had some others throughout that have been either played for him or been the NBA that, you know, he, when he first formed in Stouts at Memphis or whether it be at Kentucky that, that he went after. The name that just popped up in, uh, in my head is, what about Chuck Hayes? Uh, Kentucky ties, he's a developmental coach for the Nuggets right now, I believe. And then Kentucky always tries to tap into California. And he's one – he played at Modesto. And 
really well known in the California uh, basketball scene. So I think he could really help in that regard. Just like if you wanted somebody with UK ties that developmental, relatively young, I think that that would be a guy worth a shot in my opinion. Travis, I was actually going to ask you next question of the Calipari era at Kentucky, who is one guy that you think would thrive in that role uh, as a, you know, first, first job out, out of basketball or shoot, if he's still playing basketball, whatever the case is that could come in and be a potential assistant, uh, assistant coach. Are you talking about like any, anybody, like any point in their career, like who would make a good assistant coach? Like who, who would be able to replace them today? Like who, who could be a potential option under the Calipari era? Uh, I mean, it would all depend on his injury and where his career goes, but I would love to see DeMarcus Cousins on the sideline. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm talking about, talk about a kid that – he's a big child. He's got a bad rep from a lot of people, but he's a big child. Um, really relates to a lot of kids. Uh, really well, well, um, well-spoken, well, uh, like, articulate whenever he speaks, whenever he talks. He demands your attention. Uh, he just – he brings – He's like a uh, he's like a magnet. Like he brings in everybody toward him, and everybody gravitates to him. So I think that um, that would be my pick out of the Calipari era. Yeah, I, I think that would be a home run. Depending, like you said, depending on how. It, I mean, that's a dude with clout. I'm telling you, that's a dude that that could, you know, make some major major splash. You know, signings on on the recruiting trail. That'd be. I mean, he, he could be a game changer there. I, I look at guys like. Uh, like Brandon Knight. He's a guy that, you know, I don't know how his career is going to unfold. I mean, it seems like he's kind of, you know, trending downward based on his injury history and, you know, just hasn't found that, that solid fit, um, you know, to, to kind of spark his career once again. So Brandon, Knight, it's a guy that I, that I look at and I I'm pretty interested in if, if that day ever comes. Um, But yeah, you look at the early days of, you know, who could separate themselves. I think those are the two names that you look at of, of clout, high character guys and, and people that could help, you know, seal the deal on some high, high, high level recruits. I think those are two, two big names. David, is there anybody else that you can think of? Uh, Here's the thing. Uh, You've got to remember too. and, And I think we see it at times when guys try to get back into coaching from the NBA they don't understand what a grind it is, that it's 18 to 20-hour days. And you take a lot of, of individuals who play in the NBA, they're financially secure, they're millionaires, they can go out on the golf course for the rest of their life and enjoy life and do whatever they want to do, and then they end up, you know, in really the rat race, it's college basketball recruiting. Man, it, you know, it's 24-7, and it's, uh, it's just incredible grind. Uh, so the thing is, will individuals be able to make that uh, transition from, you know, just really living that type of lifestyle to one where you're basically in a salt mine? And so that's a big thing to me. A name that I would throw out may not be the most sexy name, but he's a guy to me who I think Kentucky means everything to him. And he would probably really be a grinder is, is uh, Darius Miller. I think he playing now with the Pelicans. He's from Kentucky. And I think he kind of fits that mold like Travis talked about with Chuck Hayes. Chuck Hayes is probably my favorite all-time Kentucky player. Just he was so blue-collar. 
And uh, I think Darius Miller kind of fits in that mold and, and you know, who, who, who loves the University of Kentucky and the state. Let me ask you a question, David. Uh, you brought up an interesting point. You're talking about the grind that a lot of times people think that their ba- their talent on the basketball court will translate to coaching. Uh, you see it all the time. Uh, Penny Hardaway, um, Patrick Ewing, other guys, uh, high school or uh, college and NBA level. Do you think that is why the grind um, is why uh, role players, like former role players like uh, – Steve Kerr, for instance, is a fantastic uh, NBA coach is because he had to grind to stay on a roster as a role player. He like he wasn't the Michael Jordan on the team. He was a guy that was like he had to prove himself every day. Do you think that's why role players translate to better coaches than the star players? I think so, too. And they probably uh, they probably realize to struggle a little better because, you know, you hear them hear a lot of, of Guys say, announcers will say, the next players that the superstars just don't understand. Well, why doesn't this guy get it? Why can't he make – why can't he shoot 60% from the field? Why can't this post player score every time he gets it? Why can't he grab 15 rebounds? You know, Magic Johnson, uh, what, lasted, what, 18, 19 days, I think, when he coached the Lakers. <laughs> and you hardly ever see great players – translates great coaches and and you know you can go but Larry Bird's probably been as good as anybody but Ted Williams was a you know a horrible greatest maybe the greatest hitter to ever live was a horrible baseball manager and they said whenever he pulled a, a pitcher out he'd go get the ball from him and he'd say I've always said pitchers were the most stupid people walking the face <laughs> of the earth and that's how he took them out so uh you know I, I think it's just the whole I think patience has a lot of it and, and just expectations yeah, let, let's hope we don't have to get to that point anytime soon because it seems like things are going well with, you know, they have a good camaraderie, good chemistry on the Kentucky coaching staff right now. I've talked to, you know, numerous guys. They all love each other. There's no, you know, they're, you look at half the schools across the country and there's, you know, ex-assistant coach hates this guy and is secretly rooting for him to get fired. And, you know, there's there's that kind of, you know, stuff going on at other schools throughout the country. Kentucky's not one of them. They love each other. They all kind of have each other's back. They know, they they know how special of a group that they have currently. And and the hope is right now that all of them stay together. All right. Before we jump into our next few topics, let's take a break for just a few minutes to talk about our friends over at my bookie. Say it with me. Sports are back, baby. I've been waiting for this day since March, and now that it's here, I've only got one thing on my mind, and that is MyBookie. MyBookie is a home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, game-winning shot, all wrapped up into one. I love it. You love it. And that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. MyBookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams. And with the start of Major League Baseball, there has never been a better time to start playing. With MyBookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Feeling good about your team's chances this year? Be sure to check out MyBookie's World Series future bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun. But why stop with baseball? Smart bettors always look toward the future, and in this case, that means basketball, hockey, football, you name it. MyBookie is already accepting bets on all your favorite games. There's never been a better time to start exploring in the world of online sports betting. Join today, and MyBookie will match your deposit 100% 
plus they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future waiver. All you got to do is enter promo code Pilgrim. That's P-I-L-G-R-I-M when signing up. Remember, my at my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. Ha. Now, see, my thing is, my thing is, it's say bet on your favorite team to win the World Series. Like, I'm not putting money on the Reds whatsoever. I put money on the Reds. <laughs> they were up nine to nothing at one point. Now it's nine to five, and I'm biting my fingers just because the ball team sucks. But – it, like you said, sports are back, and sports would not be back if it meant that I wasn't constantly anxious about losing money and my wife being on my butt every day about, like, did you really bet on the Braves today? And they're down, like, 11 to 2 at some point. So I want to know about you put in the code Pilgrim. Now, you talked about hitting a big time. Of course. So, you know, I, I personally push for, for sorts to say, but, but you know, they thought that, that Pilgrim was the best option for it. So – I don't, I don't, I don't make those choices. That's all on them. But all it I know feel is good my when, bookie, when people type in your name and they're not looking for a police record. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take it all day long. I promise it's going to come up clean because I, I'm, I'm good to go. I promise you. Yeah, my bookie. I'm, I'm promise you. With all these sports coming back, that is your answer. There should be a, a, a direct link on KSR. You'll be able to go click on that. We got you covered there. We appreciate it, and we look forward to continuing this awesome partnership with MyBookie. They're great. Uh, go go follow them. Now, let's move on to the biggest kind of the biggest story involving Kentucky basketball over the last week. Uh, we talked about it, you know, extensively and exclusively on this show last week. That's Adam Kunkel's recruitment and how fast that thing moved and and you know the back and forth between Kentucky it was it was just absolute mass chaos so let's dive into that just a little bit break down how it all came to fruition so last time we talked the general consensus was talking to people within Adam Kunkel's camp was he wanted to go closer to home that was the, his end goal he wanted you know he was at Belmont but he wanted to end up closer to home he's a Hebron Kentucky native so northern Kentucky area the goal was for him to end up in this general vicinity. Xavier separated itself as one of the early, early favorites in his recruitment. Um, but I think so. The, the way it kind of all unfolded is Kentucky. Originally, he was was his dream school. He grew up a Kentucky fan. That's where he wanted to go. Um, he reached out initially. We talked about this on the show as kind of the secret grad transfer option. He reached out to them and said, hey, I'm thinking about being a grad transfer next year at Kentucky. By all means, keep a spot open for me. I want to be there. Kentucky was well aware of his intentions, said, okay, well, we, we got you. We'll, you know, we'll keep that in mind. We like you. We'll see how it goes. So then within a, a month, he puts his name in the transfer portal, says, screw it. I just want to you know, make my move now instead of wait till later. So he puts his name in the transfer portal, says I'm, I'm leaving initially before in the days leading up to it, he reached back out to Kentucky and said, Hey, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about coming. UK originally told him that they didn't have a spot for him. That happens sometimes in the past. You know, if every high profile kid reached out to Kentucky after they're frustrated with their current situation, UK would have to, you know, hold scholarships for a hundred kids a year. So they, they usually wait until they're, they are officially in the portal when they're legally allowed to reach out before taking that next step. So there was a miscommunication right off the bat between Kentucky and Adam Kunkel. Kunkel told them that, that he was interested. They said that there was, wasn't a spot for him. He entered the transfer portal with the intention of committing to Xavier. He knew – Magical scholarship opening. I mean, yeah, just that. Yeah, they won right away. It's like, poof, just kidding. There was two of them. I mean, just kidding. out of nowhere. 
<laughs> yeah. So, so that was, that was kind of part of the initial frustration. Adam Conkle let it be known that he wanted to go to Kentucky. They said, we don't have a spot for you. Xavier kind of separated itself as the early favorite. They were going to still talk to other schools. Arkansas came in the picture. Creighton came in the picture. Indiana came in the picture. Cincinnati a little bit later. But Xavier was kind of the school if it wasn't going to be Kentucky. So Kentucky then reaches back out and says, hey, man, just kidding. We actually have a spot for you. I'm going to watch film on you tonight, and we're, we're going to see how things go. They watch it. They like his film. And Kunkel's camp is told, John Calipari is going to call you Thursday night, and we're going to see if we're going to take the next step. They sent it up to the upper-level compliance officers at Kentucky to see, you know, transcript records, how they'd be able to, you know, add the logistics of adding a new player into the bubble, that kind of stuff. There was a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going on, but it was going to boil down to John Calipari's decision whether they wanted him or not. John Calipari was supposed to call Adam Kunkel. He never did. That Thursday night came and went. Uh, Kunkel never received a phone call from Coach Cal, and he basically said, all right, well, Coach Cal obviously doesn't want me, so I'm going to move forward with my other options. Xavier was the leader of the pack of the other schools, like we said on this show, and by Saturday he was committed. So I get the sense, Travis, that there was some genuine frustration on Kunkel's side of things, but not that he was – misled or led on or, or, or what, what have you. But I do think that talking to people within Kunkel's camp that he thought he was going to end up at Kentucky at the end of the day. And that decision was kind of made for him by Calipari, not calling him back and not extending that, that, you know, taking that next step in his recruitment. So Travis, my question to you is, you know, a is, is, does, is that in line with what you heard on, on your end of things with Kunkel's camp and, on, on the next level, do you think that this is going to be a decision at the end of the day Kentucky ends up regretting? Uh, the word I kept on hearing in this situation was miscommunication. Um, heard that consistently. Now, will it bite Kentucky in the butt? Uh, I mean, that remains to be seen. I don't know. If you look at it, the Kentucky roster next year, Cal Perry never over, overloads a roster. Uh, he wants everybody to be able to play for the most part, have an opportunity to prove themselves to play. And if he was to come in next year, you potentially looking on at the guard spot in the wings, you're looking to ask you and Scott Clark, possibly uh, Jane, Jane Hardy, possibly um, Cameron Fletcher, Dante Allen. Then you add him to that's six players for two to three spots. Not everybody's going to play. So, I mean, it becomes a little uh, log jam at those positions. So, I mean, I could see it from both angles, but I feel like his camp was really surprised that they didn't get a call to say, like, hey, we're not interested, at least. Right. I, feel, I feel like that's something that they felt kind of disrespected by. Yeah, I, I think you, you put it perfectly. It wasn't, it wasn't even the fact that, that they were, you know, heartbroken that, it's not gonna be, that it wasn't going to be Kentucky. Like, I, I think they understood Kunkel's a great player. David, you went on the show last week and showed and, you know, talked to other OVC coaches who hyped him up, said, yes, he could absolutely play at Kentucky next year. That wasn't the question. I, I think they understood that, that you know, he, he might have been better off at a Xavier or something like that in terms of minutes, you know, points, shots, that kind of thing. But when it boils down to his fandom growing up, his dad played at Kentucky, you know, played football on the offensive line at Kentucky. He grew up a diehard Kentucky fan. 
it was a match on that level. You know, same thing with Dante Allen. He could have gone to Purdue. He could have gone to some of these other schools and been a star, but he trusted uh, that, you know, that he, he wanted to be at his dream school where he always wanted to play growing up that, I mean, that, that it happens. So Kentucky was always going to be the choice if they extended the offer and made it known that they wanted him. They initially showed him that, hey, we do got a spot for you. Hold on. Let's, you know, we're going to watch your film. We like you. Give us, give us some time. They said, okay, cool. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll hold out for you. We want you. Sounds good. They were led to believe that this was in the works. And it ended up being another case of John Calipari looking at it and saying, you know, and I don't fault John Calipari at all in this, in, in this at all either. He knows that the transfer rule next year is going to pass and he's going to have his, his fair share of getting anybody in the country. So to, you know, he's as not stingy as he is, but the way he is with scholarships, he's not just throwing out scholarships to everybody. He knows that he's going to have to be very selective because everybody in the country is going to be a free agent next year when this transfer rule passes. So he's going to have the opportunity to pick and choose anybody in the country, not a Belmont transfer from Hebron, Kentucky. It doesn't have to be that no matter how good he thinks it is, he sees the opportunity is we could get anybody in the country next season. So we're going to, you know, play, play our odds and, and, and wait for that case because he was always going to be a red shirt. They, he wanted to go somewhere where he could develop. We talked about that on the show. Uh, David, you, you, you heard some similar things on that front. This was always going to be a case of a red shirt, you know, sit one to play two. It was a, it, it would have worked out if he would been a, had been a grad transfer like he originally planned and what, what Kentucky thought he was going to be originally, which is what we hyped up on this show, that Kentucky saw him as a grad transfer and said, okay, cool. We will cross that bridge when we get there. We like you. We know this is a situation that will work if it gets to that point. He expedited the process, decided to transfer, enter the transfer portal, and be a sit one, play two, three years worth of a scholarship that's a lot more to ask than a grad transfer year. So it makes sense on both sides. I wholeheartedly understand why Kunkel's camp got frustrated. And I know why Calipari didn't jump on the offer uh, immediately. Uh, but David, my question to you, like I asked Travis, do, watching his film, knowing who he is as a player, do you think this is going to come back and, and hurt Kentucky knowing that they could have had, you know, one, you know, a, a hand with a bird is better than two in the bush, whatever that, that phrase is called. This this situation is is you know perfect for that. Uh, no, it's not gonna hurt him. Uh, you know, I, I remember going back to Bruce Pearl when he first got to Tennessee. He had the same kind of situation. Well, a different kind of situation, but uh, he had a local kid that uh, Buzz Peterson had uh, signed. And so when Bruce Pearl gets there, first time he watches him work out, he's like. I hate to tell you this, but I mean, the decision's yours, but you're not going to be able to play for me. Uh, and, uh, you know, the kid will end up going to Belmont. So that's one reason I thought of it. And it was bad PR at first, but when Bruce started winning, people forgot about it and any other bad PR he had. And that's the whole thing at Kentucky. You know, you have a good season next year, a good season the year after, and I don't care if the guy's the mayor of Lexington. Uh, people are going to forget about it. That's what they want. They want, you know, it's it's what can you do for, for me as far as winning? And, look, that's just the way things go in recruiting. Like you say, this was not the same situation that I think was portrayed to Kentucky originally. Uh, they're coming out probably a year earlier than what they thought. So, 
Uh, we've already talked about it. Looks like, you know, you could have returners next year. Corey Evans addressed that the other day on Rivals uh, in a mailbag that uh, Kentucky could have more back than they've had in a long time. Of course, it's early. Who knows? But with and with the open, uh, uh, you know, the open uh, transfer deal that's coming up, uh, you know, there's just – too many other options, so I don't hold that against John Calipari at all. And no, it's not my body. Yeah, I, I think the novelty of having another high-profile Kentucky kid on a Kentucky roster—it's always going to be appealing for Kentucky fans. They always want to have the latest and greatest Kentucky talent, and this is the, that next that next guy. Um, but I think Kentucky—that I, I think John Calipari doesn't have that same sentimental value of Kentucky assigning Kentucky kids as Kentucky fans do. And I think this is just another case of that where fans got excited about it. I mean, I, I'm going to be totally honest. I did too. I went and watched this kid at Griffin elite. I, I watched him play. I said, Holy crap, this kid's like really, really good. Looked up who he was, looked up his stats, watched his film. And this was a, a month and a half ago. And I was like, man, this is going to be a kid that it's going to, you know, Kentucky already has this locked up if they, you know, if they want him. And at the time, I mean, all the indications I had were, were yes, this is going to be a guy we we look at next year as a grad transfer option. It it seemed like the perfect storm for Kentucky fans to get their next high-profile Kentucky kid. And I don't, I don't know. He doesn't see it that way. I mean, I don't know how you kind of looked at him. You said, okay, he could end up being okay. And that's what we thought. I mean, none of us thought he was going to be a star, but – you know, and yeah. I'm not knocking a kid at all, but let me ask you to talk about Kentucky fans being uh, excited about getting him. Do you think they're more let down that they didn't get Adam Kunkel or they're more let down that they didn't get James Wiseman? Or are they more uh, let down about Adam Kunkel or more let down about Cade Cunningham? So, you know, it, it's uh, – you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I, 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 I think you bring up a good point. I think fans are going to – be hurt by it for a couple of weeks, and when they, you know, he's going to have a big game in Xavier this year. I can, I can answer that. It's still, Kate Cunningham. I'm still getting DMs about that. That stuff. <laughs> so. It's definitely Kate Cunningham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all your fault, Travis. You're, you're you're the reason uh, Kentucky didn't get Kate Cunningham. I made him, it. I made him go. Yes. Which, by the way, I, I had a conversation. I'm about to delete Twitter. <laughs> By the way, to add to your case, I talked to somebody last week. I had lunch with him. Great dude. Love him to death. He confirmed what we said that, you know, that Kentucky had him locked up. He was, he was committed, leaving his visit, told people he was going to commit later in that week and ended up going home. His family talked him into holding out, taking the rest of his official visits and, and, and waiting it out. So another person to, to vouch for your case, Travis, that Kate Cunningham was coming to Kentucky, but Whatever, whatever people want to say. That's that's totally another fine. celebrity on a source of say podcast. Yeah, whatever. Shoo shoo. They'll they'll be fine. Still on the um, Oklahoma State Rivals Network, and you type in graph, you get a three month subscription. <laughs> <laughs> My boogie is is Pilgrim. The free free trial for Oklahoma State is right. <laughs> All right, well, let's let's end the show here talking about. One of the most kind of, you know, just mind-boggling things to me, but when I saw it, it just kind of just blew my mind to think of just how big of a mistake EJ Montgomery made. And that's when the NBA released their list of 105 names of guys they're considering 
for as as draft combine options. Not even the guys that are going to get actual invitations in their hand, just guys that they're even thinking about. 105 names and all five of Kentucky's former guys, uh, Ashton Hagens, Khalil Whitney, of all people, Tyrese Maxey, Emmanuel Quickly, and Nick Richards all got one. EJ was the only person that did it. And if you think about that, that means there's 30, 30 draft picks per round. That means out of 105 names, that would put him at the tail end of round four if he's even anything after 105. So that means if this draft had four rounds, there's a chance EJ Montgomery wouldn't have been taken in that. That, that just absolutely blows my mind that this kid – went through with the draft process knowing that there was a 0.0% chance of him getting drafted and that he still went forward with it. Travis, where would you rank him among the biggest like head scratching draft decisions at Kentucky? And do you think at the end of the day, he's going to end up regretting it? Or do you think he's going to be the next winning Gabriel that prove all Kentucky fans wrong and carve out a role in the NBA? See, my thing is everybody wants to, gauge professional basketball success by if they make the NBA or not. Some people, I mean, I would, I know I would be super damn happy to go overseas and make untaxed money for six figures, like anywhere from a hundred K to a million dollars sometimes. Uh, but I mean, if you're an American player going overseas and you're good, I mean, you can look at 250 K to 500 K easy. And that's hell of a, hell of a salary to live on. And, but I think that this is the one that caught most people, including myself, off guard, just because it's like he never showed anything. Um, yeah. There's some people you could see glimpses of, like, play. I think we've gone through before. I forget the numbers, but during his time in Kentucky, he had maybe a handful of games in double figures, uh, maybe a couple of games in double-digit rebounding, maybe one or two. I can't remember. Maybe one double – I can't remember. It's something – there's a low number in all of those categories. But – Whenever everybody was trying to go back and forth about like, oh, EJ is probably going to return. I could see Emmanuel return, and then I dropped the bombshell on Cat Sister. I was like, yeah, I'm hearing from somebody really close to the program that there's going to be a mass exodus, and the only player coming back is Keon Brooks. And they're like, oh, that that don't make any sense. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense to me. <laughs> Some of these kids are going. EJ had no prayer getting drafted. Uh, yeah. He, if, let's be honest. Like, if we're going to call a spade a spade, he. Uh, and I'm and I love EJ as a person, so like that's this is neither here nor there. This is just straight up basketball. I'm gonna call it how I see it, like good or bad. He has not gotten better at the game of basketball since his junior year of high school. Um, he kind of topped out then and kind of just rode that. He was the number one player in the class at one point in like eighth grade or freshman year. Kind of rode that out, coasted that, and stayed up near the top, and then never really developed much. And then kind of a weird situation. Some people in his camp view him as like a Ben Simmons type of guard. And then some people view him as a big and he just never really developed big skills. And he's kind of in no man's land right now because he's not going to be a three in the NBA. He's not going to be a four in the NBA. Like he's, I'm rooting for the kid wholeheartedly uh, just as I do any kid that's pursuing their dreams. But like, I will be beyond shocked if he's on an NBA roster, like at, besides like a two way deal ever. Yeah, I just don't see it. But I mean, crazier things have happened. And like I said, I'm behind him 100%. I'm rooting for him uh, hard as hell. So David, have you seen anything with with EJ that kind of that that you see that maybe other people don't that you think, man, okay, this is what 
he's seeing with himself, and this is what maybe teams could potentially see in him uh, that that could potentially give him a, a role in in the league. I thought he would be back, um, even like throughout the season. And I know a, a junior at Kentucky's like a unicorn, but I, I thought maybe that he might see Nick Richards make that improvement uh, and do that. Tells me two things, and, and number one that. Like Travis said, maybe he's okay uh, going to Europe, going internationally, and, and playing in that role. Uh, it looked to me like, you know, they signed an agent, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think it was NCAA approved. So it was, it was not. Yeah, so there was no chance of, of if you don't get what you want from the combines, you don't get the feedback you want, you can't, you know, it, the, the bed was already made. He couldn't come back. Uh, and I, I remember his dad saying, uh, if you'll remember back in the spring when all the talk about whether he should go, where he shouldn't go, and he said basically, you know, he doesn't have to be in a Kentucky uniform to basically prove himself, you know, to the NBA scouts, you know, that there's other ways that he can do it. So, like I said, it just seemed to me, for whatever reason, like, you know, he had already made that decision. Um, and, you know, it, it's just, you know, if you go internationally, that's one thing. But he was the 11th in two, class of 2018. He was overall number 11. And uh, so you take a kid like that and, and you're basically coming out of high school thinking at that time, hey, you know, I, I just got to get myself prepared to be a lottery pick. But I'm looking at some other names in 2018 in that class. Um, Simi Sola Chateau was at Vanderbilt, was a total flop, was number seven. Charles Bassey at Western Kentucky's number nine. Jordan Brown, who's at, uh, gosh, he started out at Nevada. I forget where he's at. Arizona, I think. Arizona now is number 12. Ashton Hagens was 13. Uh, so, you know, you look at players who are right around those numbers, and just because you're ranked that high, that doesn't mean that you're going to pan out. So, you know, I think if you're John Calipari and you've got all these high-ranked players uh, coming in, it's like, hey, look, you know, we started the show. Who's going to prove it? Who's going to stand out from among the crowd? And I think that's further motivation to do it because there's a lot of money riding on it. Yeah, I'm rooting like heck for the kid. Like, I mean, he's he's been nothing but good to the UK media and and behind the scenes. And everybody I've talked to says that he's an awesome, awesome kid. I just genuinely think that he got fed some some wrong information about his 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 future. And I think he just kind of went with what people told him to. You know, I think I mean he obviously has professional dreams. UK, everybody that goes to Kentucky has professional dreams. But I think. Th people told him that he's something that he's not right now. And that led to this decision. He wasn't a winning Gabriel. So like I look at winning Gabriel's situation when he went undrafted, didn't get an invite to the combine. I looked at him and I was like, man, but you look at that Alabama game where he went seven to seven from three and you looked at that and you said, okay, that's something that NBA scouts could look at and go, ah, he could do that with us. He could be a catch and shoot guy as a stretch for 100%. That's what he's ended up end up doing. That's how he carved out his role with, you know, and now with the Portland Trailblazers in the bubble, going to be playing in the NBA playoffs this year. Like that kind of stuff 
teams could see and 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 kind of work with moving forward with their NBA careers. There's just been nothing that I've seen from EJ Montgomery in his Kentucky career that made me have that same thought that, ah, there it is moment with him. I just, I haven't seen that. And that's what a junior season in Kentucky could have done. We know that he's confident shooting the ball. The ball just hasn't fallen. Maybe this is the year that, that his, his jump shot starts falling. He turns into a true stretch four. maybe this is the year that, uh, you know, his, his ball handling improves and he's able to bring the ball to the floor every once in a while, catch a rebound and, you know, start a fast break. Whatever whatever the case is, maybe this could have been the year that he did take that next step. He's betting on himself, and I'm you know I'm all for it. I, I just think that this is going to be a decision that down the road he'll wish that he had one more year at Kentucky. And if it didn't work out, then it didn't work out. But maybe uh, they're thinking, hey, the first two years worked out. And if you look at his role at Kentucky, and I, I'm not, I would have done the same thing if I'm John Calipari. So I don't, I'm not going coach blast here at all. But his role was basically, you know, he was in that dunker position on the short corner. And yeah. uh, maybe he's thinking, hey, you know, I, I, I just can't. I've had two years of it here. It's not going to work for me to go to the NBA. Maybe not only am I going internationally and probably play internationally to make money, maybe that's where I can improve my game and, and get to the point where maybe later on I can go to the NBA. So who knows? And, and yeah. like I said, like a lot of people, a lot of fans, whenever these decisions are made, uh, myself included, like sometimes I think like, oh, why didn't this guy come back? But it's I got to I got to sit back and think like I got to put myself in uh, their shoes. I got to take uh, my fan cap off, my analyst cap off and then put on my business cap and think of like, hey, if this kid's not getting better, how many guys stay until their junior year at Kentucky and really excel? Uh, for every one that does, there's a there's probably five that don't. Uh, that just that they they are who they are most of the time after their sophomore year at Kentucky. That's just how it has been. Uh, there's of course there's going to be a couple more about the trend that stay a few years hopefully and uh, just continue to develop. But it's like if I'm a 19 or 20 year old kid. Um, like I said, like whenever they're making these decisions, whenever we're talking about these players, it's nothing personal against the kid. We're just uh, analyzing it from a basketball standpoint. All these kids are good kids. And uh, for me to judge a kid that has probably not done anything as nearly as bad as I did whenever I was their age, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not up to me uh, to judge. But it's like if I'm 19, 20 years old, um, I'll just say I come from a middle-class family or a lower-class family. And I have the possibility to go overseas and make six figures after my sophomore year, or I can stay in, in college for another year and not make anything. I mean, I'm going to look at that six figures. If I'm kind of looking at my uh, development, I'm, I feel like I'm kind of spinning my wheels. I'm going to try something new and get paid for it, non-taxed yep. in a lot of places. So, I mean, it's selfish and it's natural though for fans to be like, oh yeah, he should have stayed. He, he could have worked on this, this, and this. I mean, but how many yep. times do you see across the college basketball landscape players stay for every one player that stays and gets better. There's probably a hundred players that stay in college basketball and just, they are who they are. And I mean, I'm going to go get that money if I feel like I'm in that situation, honestly, like I can never hate on a kid for chasing his dreams and chasing a bag. Yeah. I, I think that's totally fair. If yeah, you're, totally. you know, if you're a sophomore at the University of Kentucky and you don't play sports and somewhere out in the business world, they're like, look, we know you want to graduate, but 
you can go here. We'll pay you two hundred fifty thousand dollars to come here and work, man. You're you're not even gonna clean your dorm out. You're gonna get out of there so fast. So you know, yeah. I, I understand that. I used to work camps at UNC Wilmington, and Dante Calabria would come in every morning to shoot. And uh, you know, he played at North Carolina on the national championship team back in '93, I guess it was. And but anyway, he was a big name over there, and he had two houses of Wrightsville Beach, and he. Uh, you know, he got he played in Italy for, you know, a dozen years uh, and made all that tax free money, made close to a million dollars a year. Man, I mean, he's he's I mean, he's got two cribs right there on the ocean. So, you know, who's the sneeze at that? Yeah, I'm a, I went to middle school with middle school and high school with Keely Potts at the time, who ended up marrying uh, Derek Willis. So I've been friends with her on Facebook and like been following their basketball future professional they are having the time of their lives going from country to country exploring the world together like i mean it's a dream come true for them and they're making a a good bit of money like that is a perfect opportunity for them so shoot maybe like travis like you said maybe that's exactly what ej want to do i don't know ej personally outside of a professional you know media setting maybe that's what he wants to do maybe that's what his his calling is he thinks yeah shoot if i can you know, slowly develop. My game's not developing the way I want. Maybe I can slowly get there and do it, you know, going to the most beautiful places in the world by and getting paid to do it. Maybe that's his, maybe that's his role. Just from an outsider's perspective, it's just one of those, man, he had that perfect opportunity to come in at Kentucky next year, be a junior, kind of take over that, take over that front court role and, and potentially be a star in, in, in UK's front court. That didn't happen. He's he's going for it. I'm I'm supporting him. I, I hope for hope for the best. Wishing wishing him the best of luck. Um, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, with that, do you or I, I'm I'm good to call a show. You guys have anything else you want to add? Nah, I'm good. I'm I'm Gucci. David, what about your cat? Has he uh, added any context to? I had to come back last week. Not, man, he's just <laughs> he's just. Um, a hog, man, a camera hog. He knows when it comes on. Yeah, he does. All right. And All right. Well, uh, Travis said he's Gucci. Is that good or bad? That's good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Tra- good in, in uh, Kentucky talk. Okay. <laughs> Tra- Travis, where can fans find your work? Uh, you find me on Twitter at TravGraph underscore Rivals. You can find me alongside David Sisk on Cats Illustrated. And then you can find my other podcast, uh, the Cat Scan Podcast, on any podcast network. Uh, like it up, rate it five stars, uh, leave a review. I've got Takel Krause, his head coach, coming on tomorrow, so we're going to have some good stuff coming up. Okay, and, and you, we're going to go this whole show without you not patting yourself on the back a little bit for making big old job changes and money moves this week. Come on now. Pat yourself on the back. I had tell, to, tell uh, fans tell fans about your big week. Well, I in my in my day job, I got a new day job. Um, went from I'm going from electrical field into sales, and uh, working on some other basketball stuff behind the scenes right now. Uh, some big projects that I'm trying to get done. Uh, don't really want to talk about that yet until it comes to fruition. But got some big stuff brewing up, and then uh, of course I I started covering basketball for. Rutgers a couple weeks ago, and then now I'm covering basketball and football recruiting for the rival side at, for uh, U of L as well. Money moves, man. Money moves. That's what I'm talking about. All right, David, uh, where can fans find your work? I've got big stuff going on too. I'm coming up from my cat. Uh, got to wash dishes here in a minute. 
and probably do a little vacuuming, you know, but there you go. There stuff, you go. Yeah. That, those are money moves. <laughs> uh, you can find me next to uh, the Travis who's Gucci. Hey, Travis, <laughs> let me ask you a question. When you were in high school and you're trying to pick up dates, did what was your line? Did you tell them they were groovy chicks? Or- I don't know what it, what my line, like, I don't know where I messed up because pretty much, all of my, all the hot girls in high school were like John Calipari and I was Adam Kunkel. They never called me back. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's kind of where, that's kind of how my high school uh, dating scene worked. I, I must have gotten better throughout time. Oh, I heard Ric Flair. I was a teenager and I heard him say, ladies, you can't be first, but you can be next. That never did work for me. <laughs> so, so anyway. Oh, gosh. Coach David Sisk at Twitter and at Cats Illustrated with uh, Travis. You can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR uh, or reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. Go follow that link with my bookie. We love them. We appreciate them. Uh, and with that, we'll be back next week for another Jam Pack Source of State podcast. We will see you then. Oh,